welcome to the new indian woman and i am your host krishna in this podcast we will examine the challenges faced by us in managing our lives and our families in each episode we will also look at the techniques that worked for different women examine how to adapt it for us in today's context and learn from each other you will get actionable strategies set in the indian context on a wide variety of topics right from identifying your passion to better productivity and parenting welcome to episode 22 airing in late july 2020 in today's episode we have usha mukunda and usha mukunda is familiar to all librarians and to a lot of children ushanti why don't you introduce yourself Good morning to you Krishna and greetings to all your listeners. I gather that you call your podcast The New Indian Woman. So let me share with you right away that I am an old Indian woman but hopefully young in thought, feeling and uh, maybe even communication, okay? Yeah, definitely. I am a school and children's librarian who has become more and more passionate about having open libraries and engaging with children in conversations around books that is what i'm very passionate about she is putting it in a very humble manner the name of the podcast is new indian woman and the immediate image many people get is of a young ambitious woman in modern clothes but for me you represent the new indian woman <laughs> because when you just walk to some place there is confidence the cheer you spread around you interact with everybody with a sense of humility there is so much energy around you i am in awe of you every time around you you have told me to call you by name but yeah. i cannot i'm sorry okay. i'll call you ushanti okay so while in your current avatar you are a librarian lover of books interact with children i would like to talk about your early stages and the phenomenal things that you have done maybe for the benefit of all the listeners maybe we will discuss your life in four parts if it is okay with you fine <laughs> the listeners i want you to listen to this very carefully because in each decade or every so often ushanti has created a new avatar for herself so the first avatar i would say is of a table tennis player and not a very small table tennis player so you want to talk about that ushanti you've already said so many good things about me and uh... i would not like to kind of make too much of myself but uh, yeah i'll just share with all of you that at the age of 12 i started playing table tennis in a very informal way with a ball boy actually but i just loved the game and the two of us would play for hours then someone spotted me and said oh you need to enter into some state championships and you know it didn't make much sense to me and i think my parents just let me but i won that already so then from then from the age of 12 to the age of 28 years i became the bengal champion during that period i was representing uh, bengal in the national championships and once represented india also for the asian championships so in brief my life consisted between 12 and 20 let's say of a lot of table tennis but i was also a lover of books even then okay again putting it very mildly because when i see the achievements and i want to put it there out there in the show notes she was no less than a celebrity 
Because, you know, there are those so many achievements of national third, then going to the US, playing there, winning there, coming back. And uh, after marriage, continuing to play table tennis, again winning. It is phenomenal. The second stage is marriage, children and their mm-hmm. early mm-hmm. education reaching till your 40s. Mm-hmm. How would you look back on that period? Yeah, it's interesting because for all of you young people, probably you can't really enter into how we were at those times. It was a kind of a time when we drifted along, at least I would say I did, because table tennis was very much part of my life. But for the rest of it, I hadn't really thought what my what I might do in future academically or even table tennis. I was just in the present, I would say. And mm. when marriage came along, that also, I went into it uh, quite uh, happily, no problems, always with a sense of, What's going to come now? What will happen now? I was always meeting things with a lot of uh, enthusiasm and uh, positivity. That's how it was. So anyway, we were in the U.S. and everything was new. I made a lot of new friends. So all that went very well. Then children and of course, as Krishna told you, I did manage to play. One of the things I think that I should tell you that I did was... Whenever there was a chance to do something outside the home, I took it. In the sense that when we were in Princeton, New Jersey, I had a one-year-old child and my husband was extremely busy with his research. So what is it that I can do outside the home? And so I decided I put an ad in the local newspaper and said, anybody interested in doing play reading sessions informally, contact me. And about six or seven did contact me and every week we would meet at one house or the other because by the way in the meantime I had learned how to drive so I was independent Mm. (laughs) so we would meet each week and the person whose home it was in would uh, select the play and we would just read take parts and read that was the time when my interest in drama or theater began so that was one and then Mm. I in another ad I heard about 10 miles away there was a weekly club in Mm -hmm. table tennis so I just put in my name went there and I played and that's how from that selection I went to the national U.S. uh, table tennis championship. So how did you manage that with young children? Yeah I had just won at that time yes and uh, my husband was completely supportive see Mm -hmm. my husband is the kind of person who will not push anybody into anything. I mean, now, if I look at how he is with the children, he's the same. He won't push. But Mm. if they come up with something that they want to do, all the support will be there. So Mm. I think it's the same thing with me. I would wait thinking, okay, will he suggest or push me? But that was the wrong thing. I Mm. had to do it myself. That was a lesson I learned that if I do it, if I plunge into something, he'll be there for me. So I just went ahead and it was an evening thing. Both of these were evening events. So he would be at home and uh, and I had just one child at that time and he would look after her. That was in the US. Okay. Now, when we came back, that was about four or five years later, we came back to Bombay. Mm -hmm. That was also an interesting time because from there, I found that there was a gymkhana, car gymkhana close by, walked up, found that they had table tennis and I became a member there. That's also an interesting story because the people there didn't know my background. So they Mm. said, 
we don't allow new members we don't take in unless we test you out in table tennis i said okay do that <laughs> poor chaps i feel bad now at their red faces after that <laughs> So I joined there and then played in the league and then played for Maharashtra and then we won. That was lovely because suddenly there was something new coming up. And then we moved to Kolaba mm-hmm. and from there again I started playing table tennis and also because it was a big building mm-hmm. I decided to start some interaction with children there because I started a wall magazine children would contribute we would have meetings and discussions then i decided okay not just children let's get the women also doing something so we started a residence ladies club and we would have many little pockets like cooking club reading club discussion club <laughs> so actually you have helped me to look back over those times and see that my life was not completely blank <laughs> Thank you. Here, I just wanted to highlight one aspect for the mm-hmm. listeners. In all the people that I interview, one thing common is they are always keeping their eyes and ears open, looking for yes. opportunities, trying to do something or the other. Doesn't matter where it will take me to, but they are engaged in many things. Very nice. And I was thinking when you said my husband was very supportive, whether people would immediately stop the podcast and say, "Okay, in my life that doesn't apply," and switch off. So I hope people have not done that because there is so much one can do. Yes, supportive partner really helps, but there is so much of learning from what you were saying about what you try to do. I wanted to reiterate that. Yeah. During this period, did you feel that you were sacrificing for the family? Why I am asking that is when I take sessions with young women, when I meet women, many of them go through this. Okay, I have left my job. I have to do this. This is a sacrifice. Where there is this story of self pity, which is there. They may have their own reasons, but I am very curious to know when you look back now. a young ushanti did you feel you were sacrificing you, you had the capability to do so much more it is an interesting question because i think i didn't think in that way as long as we were in the us and then even after that when we came back to bombay mm-hmm. where you know there was a sense i had the feeling of independence okay and thinking okay if i can organize something then nobody will stop me and there will be support but mm. it had to be me it had to be me who initiated it that's important so if your listeners are listening mm-hmm. it's not enough to hear that oh i have a supportive family that's not it even with a supportive family they are kind of in the background i have to show that i want to do something take the first step maybe more than the first step and then there's a feeling I mean I don't want to diminish their support but maybe there's a feeling that okay she's into it now so we should just be there for her or mm. we will be there for her I think that is very very important but the feelings that you shared that many people have I did feel it when we moved to Bangalore I must have been about in my mid 30s at that time or early 30s by then mm-hmm. and uh, it was a very different scene here there was too many family responsibilities larger family both parents from both sides were there mm-hmm. they were getting older there was a feeling that they needed help and my children were growing up i have three so i did 
there were times when I was feeling very, very morose and kind of almost like resenting everything that was happening because mm-hmm. my husband is a scientist and he travels a lot. Mm-hmm. So he would be away for, say, sometimes three months, six months at a time. And I felt because I was driving everything in the house, everybody in the neighborhood and the family were expecting me to drive them around. And my mm-hmm. whole life seemed to center around just home, children, in-laws, <laughs> driving people. Yeah. So I went through quite a bit of downturn over there where I was not expressing it fully, but yes, self-pity, all the things you mentioned, I definitely mm-hmm. went through that. How did I get out of it? I think it just happened when, again, I had to make the move. See, when I slumped, I got into a rut and I didn't think what I could do next. And as I was approaching 40 or just past 40, mm-hmm. without noticing my age, I said to myself, my youngest child is going to full day school now. So mm-hmm. I don't have to be there. I don't have to be feeling bad. That was there. Not guilt, but see, it's an old term thing that you have to be there for the children right. when, they, when they come home. Me being at home when they came, I'm not a great cook or anything, but me being there to give them some treats and things was very much a part of my consciousness, Mm. right? Nobody was telling me or insisting, but it was understood. And Mm. I couldn't think of how I could break through that. It was like an invisible shield around me. Hmm. Putting it so nicely, because now all the media influence and so much of awareness for the good or bad is making that invisible shield a very opaque shield. Yeah, exactly. So it's very interesting to maybe then get on to this third stage yeah. where you decide to earn an additional degree. Could you just talk about mm-hmm. coming out of that low point yeah. and how you chose to do that? Yeah, even now when when I think about it, I wonder what it was. It was almost like some spiritual moment almost. In fact, my husband was out of the country and I suddenly, you know, I saw this ad that Bangalore University is opening for applications to various departments. And I thought, hey, why don't I do this? Why don't I apply? I was full in terms of time. Mm. Whatever I was doing, taking care of children, taking care of the house, being there for my in-laws, my day was Mm. full. So it was not like I suddenly felt there is time. But you know how they say time management is important. But I feel it was mind management at that time. Honestly, it was something to do with the mind. I had to manage things in my mind and say, let me try this. And then I did try. And of course, to cut a long story short, I was so horrified and shocked when they said, no, no admission for you. And I even went to the university all the way and said, why? I met the head. And she said, look at your uh, degree percentage, Mm. which was some 60 odd, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be very good for literature in those Mm. times. And she said, look at all the other applicants, 90, 95, 96. So I said, what? You mean you're not going to take somebody in who wants to do this course? By the way, it was a library and information science course, which I decided on. So 60% when you were in your 20s was such a remarkable achievement, but it was being compared with a yeah, with the current applicants right. who had 90, 95. So then I said, my God, what is this? I can't get in. And she saw my interest and she said, I wish I could somehow take you in. But sorry, it's too mm-hmm. late. So that year I had to give up. So I waited, but I didn't give up. I don't know. By then it had taken hold of my mind. 
and i would presume maybe at that hmm. time you had no idea of what it is going to lead you to no no not at all i just thought i had wanted to work with children in a school library mm-hmm. and i was told by most people no you need a certificate okay. i said okay these days by the way that's not at all necessary if you have the will and you have the passion and you have the ability you can walk in and become a librarian but anyway so then the next year i thought okay i will apply early and so on. i mean i don't know so naive in a way yeah. determined but in another way very mm-hmm. naive because all my confidence in my early years was from table tennis right. not from anything mm-hmm. else it was in a very narrow field it is a very significant point that you are making especially relevant in today's age where parents tend to ask the children to be focused only on academics mm-hmm. the confidence they gain they may not mm. become a national player or whatever but the confidence they gain from playing sports from doing many other things may actually mm-hmm. help out in many other areas yeah that's true actually when i look back i think that's true because i always had table tennis to fall back <laughs> on well, i'll tell you this little bit where i did fall back on mm-hmm. that the next year i applied it was the same story and that lady who was the head of the department lovely lady dynamic mm-hmm. librarian she said to me what has changed i said i thought you might have changed i said <laughs> she said no she said i'm sorry i'm bound by the rules of the university and that doesn't change so i said no i have to get in please think of something mm. then she thought and she said see there are just two categories where we can take in one is those days it was called handicap mm-hmm. okay that was not a nice way and she said i know that you won't qualify for that and the other is sports she said in a very low yeah. voice <laughs> my my goodness my ears just turned wide open and i said what sports you have a quota and she said yes i said well take me in on that she said what you mean you have some certificate i said i have a cupboard full of trophies <laughs> then she also perked up because she had wanted me to come in seeing my enthusiasm and then said okay bring something and i'll show it my only question that i had to ask was is there anybody else who has applied for this quota because at my age i didn't want to stop someone else from getting in so nice of you no not like that i did feel mm-hmm. that but i got in and it was lovely i felt as young as any of them and they also even now they are close friends of mine 20 years younger but very close nice. friends so here i want to mull over some details because you were saying after coming to bangalore there is this larger extended family parents taking care of them and children it's not as if when they go to full day school the problems just morph into some other problems lot of issues lot of logistics lot of day to day survival more issues are there so how was it it was not a correspondence course right so you had to go to college no, no. you had to manage all yeah. your responsibilities people just assume okay she might have had a cook she might have had this that kind of help no. so could you just tell about how it was yeah sure so it was not correspondence by my choice i felt that if it's correspondence again i'll slump mm. into this mode of just being at home and i wanted to get out of the mm. house that was very important for me so yes it was very tough actually i remember that i would study at night late at night after the children had gone to bed and whatever homework or some whatever had to be done but i think gradually gradually the younger two children 
began to appreciate that mom is doing something that she's very interested in. Mm -hmm. And my older daughter was already in college. She was at a hostel. Mm -hmm. So there were many things we had to handle. But I think somehow I was on the Mm merry-go-round or I was on the way and I just did not want to jump off. That's all I yeah. can say. So here again, one more uh, question. So when we hear stories of women who had to struggle, maybe for livelihood related reasons, they went for a course. We hear so many stories and hats off to them for that. But for you, you were doing something optional. In the sense, it was not that you had to do this to take care. When you have to do something to ensure good education for children, it is kind of seen differently by everybody around you. Mm-hmm. People around you, did you feel, what would they say? Or they might have also said, why should she go for a course now? Any need? Those kind of voices. So how were you affected or did you choose not to get affected by it? Definitely there were voices feeling like her husband is so busy with work, children are growing up, why is she doing this after all these years? What is the point? What is the Mm. need? Certainly there were voices, not in the immediate family, but slightly Mm. around. But those are voices which do make themselves heard, I'm afraid. I think if I remember, I have a very understanding mother-in-law and actually the saddest thing is soon after I began the course, she had a Mm. stroke. And I still remember that I took her to hospital. I was sitting in next to her bed, studying for my first test with my Mm. papers. And she opened her eyes, she looked at me and she waved me like she was saying, go away, Mm. go away. And then I said, what are you saying? And she pointed to my books and said, go, Mm. go. I was just so amazingly touched by that because she is somebody who was prevented from studying at the age Mm. of nine after marriage. And I didn't even know that she had it in her to feel appreciation for what, because all her daughters are very well educated. But I didn't think to myself that she would be that kind of person, because sorry to say, all around people were saying, oh, mother-in-law is in hospital, mother-in-law has had a stroke and she's going. Yeah. So to some extent, I told myself the most important person is this person who is in hospital and she's telling me, Hmm. go, go study. And I said, I'm not going to listen to any other voices. It was tough. It was not easy. I'll tell you that. I was torn and all that, but I tried my best to be there for her and do the course. (laughs) And did you during the course also feel torn about whether you were giving enough attention to your children? Did you feel guilty? Like, You could have easily compared. Earlier I was doing this, now I am unable to do this. I am just talking because there are many women who are in that phase and it would be very interesting to listen to some of your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I said that my husband is supportive, I shouldn't say it in a way that other people say, oh, I don't have Hmm. a supportive. Not Hmm. like that. But what he did tell me, it's like some truths he had to din into my head. He said, you know, if you want to do this course, you have to give up all your previous expectations of how you functioned in the house. So whether it's, uh, anyway, I never had a cook or a full-time servant, even now I don't. So what he said, you uh, you understand what he said. It was in my head that, oh, I must be able to do all the things I was doing right. earlier. So he said, first thing is you have to give up that expectation for mm. yourself. Then you will be free. <laughs> that was important mm. to hear. 
I mean, not that he was saying it, anybody else also saying it would have been an important mm. point. So once I got that into my head, then I said, okay, why don't I just have a family conclave? Mm. So I had the children and my husband and I said, look, I want to do this course. I've got in with a lot of difficulty and I'm doing very mm. well so mm -hmm. far. It's going well. I want to complete it. And so I want to tell you all, I'm not asking permission. I want to tell you all things will be a little different and you may have to come in and help and understand. But that's how it is. Wonderful. I had to say. So nice. So friends. You are waiting to hear what Usha auntie did next, what all challenges she faced and her journey through the remaining avatars. We will do that in the next episode. To be frank, when I recorded this, it was meant to be one episode. But while listening to it during editing, I did not want to sacrifice any of the points shared by her in my attempts to make the episode short. I felt there is so much to learn from what she is saying. So I decided to split the chat with her into two episodes. We will continue to listen to this amazing woman in a later episode. Do visit my website thenewindianwoman.com for related blogs on this topic. Of course, I would love to hear from you. You could rate or leave a comment in your podcast app or write to me at krishna@thenewindianwoman.com. Remember, you are what you want to be. and the time starts now